0: Welcome to the Edge Podcast, your home for recruiting news and team analysis inside the Oregon State Beavers football, basketball, and baseball programs. BeaversEdge.com is the authority on all things Oregon State Athletics. Now, here's your host, BeaversEdge.com editor, Mike Singer. Hey, everyone. Welcome into the Edge Podcast here at BeaversEdge.com. We haven't had a podcast in, I don't know, probably Three or four weeks uh, with spring football wrapped up and uh, women's basketball wrapped up. There hasn't been a ton to talk about, but we are in the thick of Oregon State's baseball season. Of course, they are the consensus number one team in the country, which is obviously a real exciting time to, to be a Beaver fan and follow that program when you can. Because you know, we all know about the <laughs> the, the issues with the. These games getting on TV, you think with the number one team in the country, it would be pretty easy to watch them on the Pac 12 network, but hey, that's uh, not the case. So, and we'll, we'll get into some baseball talk when we bring on our senior writer, Brendan Slaughter, uh, a little bit later on the show. Um, just looking at the front page of BeaversEdge.com, we got a lot of stuff going on. I mean, National Signing Day won't be here until February of 2018, but at BeaversEdge.com, we have stories on these recruits analysis of um the commitments and the top targets and you know provide some inside information on where these recruits uh, might be leaning um one of the top guys on the board uh, for oregon state and if you're on twitter you probably know about Isaac crocker the uh, four-star he's ranked as the i believe number 98 prospect overall in the country uh, the wide receiver from sacramento Teammate with Trajan Cotton last season, uh, played on the TMP 7-on-7 team, really a guy that Oregon State was on very early, and I believe it was the day Oregon State offered, he landed three other offers, and USC was one of them, so his recruitment has really picked up, and most of these big-time recruits start getting offers their sophomore years. As I record this on Wednesday evening, we have a story on the front page about a four-star 2019 linebacker who's already picked up a bunch of offers. He's already visited Oregon State. His sister goes to Oregon State, so he's definitely got a good connection there. But you look at Crocker, he had a good junior season, but for whatever reason, the school's just... You know, they just didn't offer him until earlier this year. So, um, definitely uh, an interesting recruit. Uh, Oregon State's in his top eight. And uh, we have a story uh, about Crocker's recruitment. You can definitely read more about him on beaversedge.com. Which, the Civil War battle that's going on for Crocker. He's really looking at Oregon, but he's also really looking at Oregon State. Um, and in mid April. Uh, the the spring evaluation period began so the Oregon State coaches all the assistant coaches um, just not the head coach Gary Anderson and some of the recruiting office people so all these assistant coaches are going out on the road and going to high schools and you know visiting with these coaches and they can kind of meet and greet with the player for just a second if they happen to walk by them but so Oregon State is getting film on all these kids talking to the coaches, you know, seeing them at practice a little bit, and I don't have any official numbers or anything like that. But I would have to say that Oregon State has offered more kids from mid-April to now than any other, you know, team in the country. It feels like at least they're at about. last time I counted, and it's not an official number or anything, but it's about 32 that I've counted in just a few week period. So Oregon State has definitely been offering a lot of prospects. Just on Tuesday, the Beavers offered eight prospects. I mean, I was talking to my buddy who runs the USC rival site, and he said they might have offered one or two this whole spring. And the Beavers offered eight in one day. Uh, another interesting prospect another four star wide receiver definitely feels like that the beavers are recruiting the receiver position really well uh, and this is Nico Hall um, I think he's more of a Southern California guy Corey Hall has been recruiting him personally Hall took a, a visit to Oregon State recently loved his visit got to catch that article. Uh, titled Four Star Receiver Nico Hall Enjoys Oregon State. That's on the front page there of BeaversEdge.com. Another thing I wanted to hit on, and we'll, we'll talk about this more when Brendan comes on the show, is uh, Gary Anderson's recent comments on the Pac 12 teleconference call um, that I believe was on Monday said some pretty interesting things. Let me go ahead and uh, read this quote he had. I will say this. I'm not afraid to walk out and say that we have some tweaks in our scheme that would allow us to play two quarterbacks in certain situations to use the athleticism of Marcus, of course, McMarion and and Daryl Gerritsen. Um, Here's where I stand on the quarterback situation. Um, When the 2016 season started, I was a big Daryl Garrettson guy I I thought he looked fantastic in the Minnesota game and then the Idaho State game he didn't really need to be fantastic I do remember one throw we had to a a wide open Trayvon Bradford I was impressed with um but overall he looked great in the Minnesota game and then after that some pretty bad games right he just was not completing the ball um past 20 yards very often um I believe it was the Utah game. He had one passing yard through three quarters and then ended up getting hurt. I don't quote me on this, but I believe it was later on in that game he ended up getting injured, and not, which knocked him out for the season. Can't remember exactly, but I believe so. So I really liked Garretson. Um, he was good, mobile. You know, He was great running the ball in the Cal game, of course, with the big uh, touchdown-winning run. Then he got hurt, and Marcus Marion came in. Um, and I liked Marcus as a game manager, um, decently mobile. Wasn't that impressed with him throwing the ball. Figured Marcus was just a good, solid backup. Knows the system, but not someone I would want to go ahead and put on the st- in the starting lineup. In the spring game, though... <laughs> Marcus McMarion looked pretty good. Uh, Let me pull up the stats for the spring game. Um, Marcus was 9 of 14 for 126 126 yards and two touchdowns, uh, which was definitely the uh, best completion percentage of the group. Well, Garrison was 8 of 11, but uh, he threw for the most yards, no interceptions. Luton threw two interceptions. Um, So, I mean, McMarion... Stat-wise, had the best game. And watching the spring game, I would have to give the edge to Marcus McMarion. My biggest knock on him was just I didn't feel very comfortable with Marcus throwing the ball downfield. But in the spring game, he had some pretty pretty darn good passes down the field and could have had three touchdowns, uh, but one was dropped. Um, so to me... Um, it, d- during spring practices leading up to the spring game, our senior writer, Brendan Slaughter, all of his practice reports had the same theme of Jake Luton is looking really good, and the rest are just, you know, Garrettson, McMarion, Blunt, they're just behind. The Luton's just the guy. He's taking the first team reps. He's the most consistent. He looks the most poised. And during the spring game... You know, I I thought Luton came out guns a blazing, you know, had had the great touchdown to Jarman and then got himself in trouble. He uh, underthrew Jarman a little bit. It was picked off by Jaden Grant. Uh, Luton was backpedaling, getting pressure, and threw the ball up in the middle of the field and got intercepted. So, I mean, you get those kind of plays with Luton. We saw that. when he was at his junior college through a lot of touchdowns, but also through a lot of interceptions, especially in the first half of the season. Um, So, I mean, you get the good and the bad with Luton. You get more maybe consistency with Marcus, but this is where I stand. I think that not only will Luton be the day one starter, I think he really should be, and I think he's the best quarterback that – Oregon State has, and he has the best chance to take Oregon State to a bowl game. Uh, I really and truly do believe that. I think he'll still throw some interceptions, but when Gary Anderson says that, um, and quote, we need to find the one who can make special plays and allow us to throw the ball better and score more points, I clearly think that he's referring to Luton. I think that Luton is Gary's guy. I've thought that since the day he received the offer from Oregon State, which I believe was not too, uh, maybe just a few days after uh, the game where Garrettson and Blunt both went down. Luton got the offer, and I, I I thought that ever since then, that was the guy that Oregon State was looking to, um, uh, you know, start for a couple years, and then behind Luton. In, I really like Aiden Willard. I think that uh, he's got a great arm and he's pretty mobile as well. Um, And then you even look at the 2018 class, they don't have any commits yet. But just looking at some of the recruits they've offered uh, that Oregon State has a shot with, um, the first guy being Brevin White, uh, quarterback from California. Uh, Rivals 250 guy. He's got the offers um, that you would like to see, you know, that other schools are interested in him and have dished offers out to him. So he visited Oregon State. He really liked Oregon State. He's visiting other schools. He's taking an East Coast swing. I believe he's visiting North Carolina and Memphis, and he took a visit to Boston College. Uh, and he's even got some Ivy League schools that he's interested in. But at the end of the day, if I had to pick right now, where Brevin White ends up, I would say Oregon State, and that would be a huge get uh, for the Beavers. Um, they also offered uh, a couple of quarterbacks this week: Spencer Petras uh, from Kentfield, California, uh, and Tyler uh, Shou S H O U G H. You you can pr- uh, try to pronounce that, but he's from Arizona. Um, I believe Hamilton High School there in, in Chandler, Arizona, so uh, pretty close there to um, Chandler High School where uh, the Oregon State got Gerritsen, Um of course, before he went to Utah State, and Colby Taylor. So, you know, Oregon State has uh, been recruiting Arizona hard this week, and I have to think that's Kevin McGiven. In there in Arizona recruiting, uh, you know those guys. That's that's been mostly his area. Um, so back to the Luton talk. Um, I have to admit that I'm a Luton supporter. I believe that Oregon State needs to have him as the starting quarterback because he can make those most dynamic plays. And Gary talked about also in the the teleconference. Make sure you get uh, to read that article headline two quarterback system at Oregon State question mark make sure you read that article because he mentioned that he will like I said consider playing two quarterbacks because of Marcus and Daryl's athleticism are are those two guys that much more athletic than Jake I mean Jake can run the ball decently I mean he's not a dual threat quarterback or anything but he can move for a guy that's you know six foot six or six foot seven. Are Marcus and Daryl that much more athletic running the ball than Jake? I mean, is it worth taking out Jake if he is the starter, which I believe he will be, um, to, to get those guys in there? Will just disrupt rhythm? I, I don't know. Uh, I believe that Marcus will be the two and Daryl the three um, w- with Jake on a little bit of a short leash. Um, if he starts throwing interceptions, I would not be surprised at all if if Gary put Marcus in there, but... Um, that's just where I stand on that. I think that you look at the throws that Jake Luton can make, and when's the last time that we're going to had a quarterback like that? You know, Sean Mannion um, is the guy that I know uh, Brendan talks about a lot, you know, because he's seen um, Jake a ton, you know, during spring practices and, and watching his film. So um, Luton definitely has the high upside there. And now joining the Edge Podcast is Beaver'sEdge.com senior writer Brendan Slaughter. And Brendan, uh, you didn't get as we record this, you didn't get to hear my take on the Jake Luton, McMarion, Garrettson, two quarterback system maybe uh, type deal. So why don't you go ahead and give us your thoughts?
1: You know, honestly, uh, this is just my two cents, of course, but I'm I'm under the impression, and this is the way I think, if you, it, having two quarterbacks is like having no quarterbacks. Um, that's just my opinion. I remember when Oregon State had Sean Mannion and Cody Vaz back and forth several years ago. They've always had this two-quarterback thing with Gary Anderson. It really seemed like, you know, last year, injury the year before, they weren't happy with Seth Collins. They put in Nick Mitchell, and they put in McMarion. If you don't establish confidence in one guy and stick it with that one guy, you're not only splitting up the locker room because you have guys that want to play for one guy or don't want to play for one guy or have a preference, but you're also kind of doing a dissatisfaction with the guy that you made the starter in the beginning because you're still like stringing him along, but then you're saying, well, you're not doing a good enough job. Either say, hey, this is our guy and stick with him or say, okay, you were our guy. You're not playing well now. We're going with this guy, and don't go back to him. You just—I think you need to have some consistency at the position for Oregon State to be successful this year and get that seven-win mark or here's, more.
0: Here's my kind of thoughts on it. Let's say Luton's the guy, which we both expect he will be, um, and then they bring in Daryl or Marcus as kind of like a wildcat quarterback, right? I mean, that makes sense. Um, they just bring him in see, for a couple plays, but right, you see, but here. From, here we might agree. You're interrupting me, though. You just got to wait for a second. <laughs> if they did that with – if Seth Collins is healthy enough to play this year, let's say he is. Um, if they did that with a Seth Collins at quarterback, that makes sense to me because he's really a dynamic athlete that can also throw the ball. But is are, are Daryl and Marcus that much more athletic than Luton to bring in a second quarterback for the Wildcat? I mean, does it make that much sense?
1: No, not my opinion. Not Daryl Garrison. I mean, yeah, okay, let's be real here. There was a game Daryl Garrison won you with his legs, and that was California when him and Ryan Dahl ran for, what, over 300 yards, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And Daryl ran in for the game winning touchdown. Okay, yeah, that's all fine and dandy. But we've seen this, and I've been there firsthand. Jake Luton is athletic enough to do 75 to 80% of what Daryl or Marcus can do, athletically speaking. And if you're going to pick a Wildcat guy, I'd put a guy like Trayvon Bradford or Seth Collins back there before I put Marcus or Daryl because those aren't maybe Marcus, but Daryl's not a Wildcat quarterback. I don't see that. Um, I see Daryl and Marcus as depth, but I just don't think it would make very much sense to bring in a guy with different packages like that unless it's design quarterback runs. But even so, in that that opinion, I think – Luton could still do a good amount of what you're what you would be asking him to do so I don't think I'd like that again that's just my two cents I'm not the coaching staff I don't know what's best for the team but I would be shocked to see um, multiple formations for those guys I mean like we said we think Luton's gonna be the guy I think he can do almost everything you want to do in terms of the running quarterback game as well and we're not going
0: to act like we know more than the Oregon State coaches. Uh, we're just uh, a couple of uh, journalists, <laughs> right. so um, you know. And and maybe we're even taking uh, Gary's comments out of context and out of proportion. But hey, it, it's May, and we don't have much to talk about when it comes to Oregon State football <laughs> right now. So we're taking what we can get. Uh, so last week, and we posted this story on Monday. You got to sit down one-on-one with Scott Barnes, Oregon State's athletic director. First, kind of set the scene. Like, What was that like um, talking with him? You know, What was that kind of feeling, just you and the Oregon State AD?
1: Well, it was pretty cool. Obviously, as you know, Mike, I think the subscriber base at beaversedge.com, you know, I was a little under the weather and I kind of had to limp myself in that day. Uh, Scott Barnes was a busy man and I had to work hard to get that day and I had a Bit of a head cold that day, so it was kind of fighting through, and I def and I you know had was a little was trying to get ready, and I kind of brought myself up, and I went in there with Scott Barr. I sat down at a, kind of his conference table with him, and he's a very imposing presence. You know, he's very tall. Um, I believe I mean I don't know exact heights, but very tall guy, uh, kind of intimidating for someone who's like myself. That's only five nine and a half, so. That was kind of interesting. Uh, he's a very dominating like presence. You know when he speaks, people need to listen kind of a thing. And more than anything, he's very well-spoken. He's very well-spoken. He's very cultured. Um, I th- you know, I've had the privilege now of meeting – uh, the three or four different athletic directors that have been here since I've been here, uh, Bob DeKerales was here my freshman year, uh, Todd Stansbury, now Scott Barnes, then Marianne Vidra was the interim for a couple of those times. So I've met all of those athletic directors. And uh, Scott definitely, um, more so than any other anybody else, you can tell his love for Oregon State and that this is where he wants to be. I'm not saying other people didn't. But this is his destination. He doesn't want to go anywhere. He's committed to building this place up and making Corvallis be the best that it can be. And I don't think Oregon State could have found a better person. And not to mention he also has ties with Gary Anderson as well. So I think it's just a win-win scenario for Oregon State and Barnes.
0: And for all of you listening that are not subscribed to BeaversEdge.com or if you're subscribed and you haven't checked it out yet, uh, it's on the front page right now, Beaver's Edge Q&A with Oregon State AD Scott Barnes. Go check it out um now brandon without getting into too many specifics um basically what was kind of your impressions of that conversation and did anything really stand out to you uh, from talking with scott barnes
1: well the most important thing that stood out to me right away that uh you know you can check out for more details on the beaver's edge uh premium or premium message board and premium site was that scott barnes has a plan to do a lot of renovations and he was talking about his master plan and what he plans to do for the West side. And I kind of got into that detail in my article. So without giving away too much, go ahead and read that article and you can check out everything with what Scott wants to do at the West side. He also has some really cool renovation ideas for Gill, including a potential new scoreboard that would change the whole landscape of Gill. So again, head over and read that. The other thing that was really intriguing to me that, you know, um, was that he expects Drew Eubanks and CV Thompson Jr. to be back at school this next year. Um, he said it kind of subtly. I think that's just his opinion. I don't think he really is saying like he knows, but that kind of caught me off guard that he would kind of say weeks. I expect those kids to be back. You know what I mean, Mike?
0: Yeah, definitely pretty interesting stuff there. And, um, you know, the renovations to go would definitely be needed. So, uh, earlier this week, big news, uh, hit the Twitter sphere. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Uh, Twitter Sphere, yeah. Twitter Sphere, okay. That uh, Destiny Slocum, a, uh, I believe it was Big Ten Freshman of the Year over at yes. Maryland, would be transferring to Oregon State. So it's a long ways until this 2017 2018 season, but we're just going to go ahead and skip over that season and look at the 2018 2019 <laughs> season uh, when Slocum will um, be able to suit up for the Beavers. Of course, Per NCAA transfer rules, she won't be able to play this upcoming season, but the 2018-19 season, uh, I believe she would be a redshirt sophomore. So let me give you this lineup as I scroll down the roster. Um, Slocum at the one, uh, Michaela Pivik at the two, or or vice versa. Um, you got Katie McWilliams in there. Um Ooh, Marie Goulet. No, she she would be graduated by then. Uh, maybe Kat Tudor, um, uh, Joanna Grimick. I mean, uh, you look at oh, Taya Crosdale probably at the four. Then I mean, that's a pretty darn good lineup that could probably, you know, get Oregon State if they're not where they were these, these past couple years. This upcoming season and that 2018, 19 season, they could be pretty darn good again, right?
1: Well, for me, Mike, uh, I'm going to go ahead and kind of throw what I think my lineup's going to look like for that year because I've already definitely dive into it because women's basketball is my forte here at Oregon State and one of my favorite sports to cover. lineup I have right now tentatively is Slocum at the 1, Michaela Pivik at the 2, Katie McWilliams or Aaliyah Goodman at the 3, maybe Pivok at the 3. Um, and then I have uh, uh, Johanna Grimmick in there at the 4. And then <clears throat> fresh onto the scene, Will be the six foot ten center Andrea Aquino. Okay, I think will be, I think Oregon State will have a six seven girl and a six ten girl Man. at the four and five and create what I like to call the Eiffel Towers. So that could be, yeah, I mean I think that could be a tremendous tremendous asset, and I think Oregon State is just going to do kind of what they're going to do this year with um, Marie Gulich and Poss- and Johanna Grimmick this year, which is. Pound down low with your two girls that are six foot five and and so on, and may, force the double teams down low and kick it out to wide open three point shooters. And I think that'll be their offense for the next two years because you know as well as I, Mike, six foot ten girls in college basketball are not common at all, and that's a
0: huge advantage. Those three wing players you threw out there, I, I believe they're all kind of true point guards, right? I mean, Pivik, Slocum, yeah. and um, was your third would... third one was uh, maybe Goodman? You said.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say Pivak is so much a point guard. I think she's more of a shooting guard, but she okay. might develop. Uh, Mick Williams was, was brought in as a shooting guard uh, out of high school, but then she played point guard uh, a lot at Oregon State her freshman year and then played point guards. She's kind of transitioned a little bit, but she has the size at six foot two to play the 2 or the 3. Leah Goodman's the smallest of the group coming in at just 5'9". So it will be interesting to see. And then there's also Kat Tudor on the bench. I also have Maddie Washington. And then uh, Carrasdale as well coming. They have a lot of pieces. And a, lot of have pieces. a lot of pieces. I mean, and now
0: that, Scott's and been doing you, an incredible job recruiting. I mean, yeah. <laughs> really not missing a beat. I mean, for your starting five, um, and that would be um, Carrasdale's either sophomore or redshirt freshman season. You don't even have her in the starting five, and she's I believe she was what a five star recruit. So I mean, oh, yeah. I mean that you're just looking at a really talented team that could go deep uh, in the NCAA tournament.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, I think they could. I still think they will this next year. I think even without Destiny Slocum, I think they'll, they'll they they I don't think they're going to win the Pac-12 again, but I think they'll be a top 4 team in the Pac-12 this just next year. Um, I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle a point guard position this next year with Sydney Wee leaving, that's a big void, but anytime you can pick up a transfer like Destiny Slocum, you know, I mean, she as most of all, no, she hit that half-court shot. I yeah. mean, she's she's a very, very talented athlete. And when you can get a transfer like that, she's going to have three years of eligibility left. She'll redshirt and then come in as a redshirt sophomore. Um, man, I mean, that's that's a potent lineup for the Beavers. And, you know, I mean, if you can get transfers like that, you're in good shape. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so
0: the women's basketball team has got a, a, lots of potential moving forward after a couple of great years. Of course, the baseball team, uh, consensus number one in the country, um, and uh, they Kind of hit a bumpy road, if you will, just for how dominant they were earlier in the season. Um, you know, haven't had a series sweep in a while. Leave their record right now it was thirty-five and four. Um, you know, good win last night over the Ducks. Uh, you know, kind of give us a quick preview for this weekend.
1: Yeah, actually, Mike, the whole, uh, Beaver's Edge Premium subscribers will be able to have a very nice preview of California this week. I've gone. Very in-depth, uh, and probably more in-depth than y'all will like, but no, it's, I've kind of been able to dive into Cal a little bit, and um, basically the, one, the only thing you need to know about Cal is they're really good offensively and they're really bad defensively. Hmm. Um, they're one of the best in the conference when it comes to offense. They're first in home runs, first in stolen bases, second in hits, uh, second in slugging percentage, uh, third in batting average. They can really hit the ball um they have a freshman hitter Andrew Vaughn who is just incredible hits over or hits 335 as a freshman 12 home runs 45 RBIs like Pac-12 freshman of the year numbers but when you get to their pitching they allow 5.03 earned runs per game or or have an ERA that's ninth they um are dead last in the Pac-12 with walks allowed per game, and dead last in the Pac-12 and runs allowed per game. So they just they they don't do it defensively. So if you can shut down Cal's hitters even half halfway, um, you're going to be able to beat them.
0: But on the other side, um, you know Oregon State obviously has a fantastic pitching lineup but their bats have struggled at times yes Damn. so i mean even if the uh, call or uh, a cal pitcher has a, a nice outing then the bats are going for cal Then oregon state could be in trouble
1: yeah they absolutely could you know i mean cal uh for for what it's worth they still are third in the pack 12 this year they're 12 and 9 in the conference um they've had some really good wins they swept arizona state but they've had some really bad losses as well. Uh, back in the end of March, they lost to uh, UCLA 20-0. to 0. So the uh, Cal Bears are, you know, you can see by that score, there's times when their pitching doesn't show up. And I think the depth of Oregon State's pitching staff, Cal won't know what hit them, in my opinion. That's, that's just my two cents. But I think Oregon State, if they take care of business, this might even be a bit of a get-well game for some of their uh, offensive woes, so to speak. I meant
0: to ask you this earlier in the podcast and I forgot and we're running out of time, so I want to make sure I ask it. Gonna put you on the spot. Compare Jake Luton to a quarterback for Oregon State in recent memory, who is it?
1: I would have to say Is he does he do they have to like Jake Luton's right handed, does he have to does this quarterback I compare him to have to be left have to be right handed as well? No. Okay, then I'm gonna to have to say Sean Canfield here. Because <laughs> the the Probably easy pick would say Sean Mannion, but you can't compare someone to Sean Mannion right away. Just You're killing because-
0: me. You're killing me. Earlier in the podcast, before you came on, I said, Brendan compares Luton to Sean Mannion. And you know when's the last time Oregon State had a quarterback like Jake Luton or Sean Mannion? And here you are not supporting me.
1: Well, I, I agree, but it, it's, I agree he displays some similar tools, but I haven't seen Jake Luton play college football or D1 college football yet. That's what I need to see. Because Sean Mannion was a once-in-a-lifetime kind of quarterback for Oregon State. He still leads the Pac-12 in career passing yardage. The, the physique is there. And I see the similarities, but a lot of what I saw from Sean Canfield when I was here, I really liked Sean Canfield's poise and his speakability, and he was a vocal leader. I feel like Jake's a bit more vocal than Sean Mannion was. I think that's the big difference I see there. And Jake Luton's a lot more mobile than... um, Sean Mannion was, and Sean Canfield was a little bit more mo- mobile as well. So I think if I had to compare him to one guy, and both Canfield and Luton can really throw the deep ball well, and that's maybe one knock I had on Mannion was he did a lot of short intermediate routes. Why both those guys have the deep ball, but I can see that I can see this. This is a comparative Mike Riley type quarterback that Oregon State's you know had all their pass. Whether it's Sean Canfield, Sean Mannion, Derek Anderson, these are those big tall six-foot-five guys that are, you know, strong in the pocket and can throw the ball down the field. So I think both the comparisons, both Sean Mannion and Sean Campbell, are very fair, Mike.
0: Yeah, and for the record, I don't think Jake Luton uh, <laughs> will be Sean Mannion or is Sean Marion, Mannion right now. He might very well be eventually, but right now there's, you know, you can't really compare him just, just as a, you know, an idea, to give you an idea of what Jake Luton is, right. you know, just that kind of talent. Uh, So that's all the time we have for today. Uh, Thank you for sticking around and listening to the whole uh, Edge podcast here. So uh, uh, definitely check out BeaversEdge.com for your latest news on basically everything Oregon State uh, football, football recruiting, uh, both basketball programs and their recruiting, and, of course, uh, baseball coverage as well. So... Um, Make sure you check out all of our articles and uh, always can uh, reach out to us at beaversedge1 at gmail.com. If you're interested in subscribing, just shoot us an email and say, hey, listen to the podcast. Uh, We're interested in in, in signing up and we'll see if we can work out a special deal just for you. So uh, thank you for listening.